0: Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hey there, this is Jillian on love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to revolutionize their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you're in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's episode is the myth of a conscious relationship. And I really couldn't wait to record this episode because there's a lot of, it's just a lot of talk out there about what a conscious relationship is. And now everybody wants a conscious relationship. And I, I mean, I I had a dime for every time someone messaged me and saying how, you know, where do I find a conscious partner? How do I find a conscious man? How do I find a conscious woman? I mean, I'd have a lot of dimes. And I think that it was really necessary for me to break down what it actually really means. And what it doesn't mean, because one thing that we need to all be collectively aware of and conscious of, pun intended, is not being any more seduced. And I don't even know if it's possible, but not being any more seduced by the ideal, right? We've all been very heavily conditioned by film by literature, by art, right, of this idea of the one and love saving the day and rom-coms, all of that, right? So we have to, as more self-aware people trying to be more conscious in our relationships and in our lives in general, one of the first steps that's one of the most necessary steps is just having an understanding and an awareness and an acknowledgement of the conditioning that we have that isn't just our childhoods, that isn't just mom and dad, but as a collective, how we've been conditioned by Hollywood, and not just Hollywood, but just art in general. So this idea that's floating around in the current zeitgeist, especially within personal development, wellness, health, and all of that, is this idea of conscious relationship. What I'm starting to see is that conscious partner, conscious man, conscious woman, conscious relationship is becoming this sort of modern new age replacement or replica of a Disney film. And we have to be really careful not to, like I said, continue to be seduced by the illusion of what a relationship is and isn't. But in my perspective, a conscious relationship, if I were just to generalize it, is a mature relationship. And a conscious relationship is when two people are being mature in it. They're being conscious in it right? So there's no such thing as a conscious relationship if both people are not actually working towards becoming more conscious. And this is a very important point that I want to make. None of us are entirely conscious. Hate to break it to you. You're not, I'm not, none of us are. Some of us have a very high degree of self-awareness and conscientiousness, and being conscious, and loving, and kind, and aware, and mature, and responsible, right? These are all the things that kind of fall under the category of being conscious. Conscientiousness, kindness, maturity, personal responsibility, communicative, self-aware. These are all kind of under the umbrella of what I see people are Looking for when I dig a little bit deeper, when they say, I want a conscious relationship. And you should ask yourself when I say I want a conscious relationship, or when I say I want a conscious man, or when I say I want a conscious woman or partner, what exactly does that mean to you? Because everyone is saying it, but not really knowing what that means. Because I'll tell you right now, you could meet someone who goes to therapy twice a week who knows their attachment styles, who does yoga, who meditates, who exercises, who eats well, and they could still be a total mess and nightmare when it comes to being in a romantic relationship. And even if they're not, they could be a nightmare for you or just totally the wrong person for you. It's not so binary. We can't just say, Oh, you're conscious because you're in therapy or you're conscious because you know your attachment style or you're conscious because you meditate. I'm telling you right now, it's just not the case. Some of the most relationally dysfunctional people I've ever worked with and met in just the last 20 years of my teaching people have been people who are doing all those things. I'm in full support of doing all those things. It just doesn't necessarily make someone that self-aware. I mean, it can definitely help someone's self-awareness. It's supposed to deepen self-awareness. But like I said, you know, there are people who really have so much more work to do when it comes to being in a healthy relationship. It's like there are just some people who can be doing all the quote unquote right things and they could still be terrible for you. And so I'll break it down, someone who there's a healthy amount of self-awareness, there's personal responsibility, there's maturity, but it's like Ram Dass is famous for saying, yeah, you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with family. I mean, we all have our weak spots. And let me tell you something, family and romantic relationships are the two areas of our life, the two things that will pull out of us every ounce of consciousness that we have. (laughs) I mean, it can really go out the window because that's when we get the most triggered. I mean, in a romantic relationship, shelve attachment theory, shelve trauma for a moment. You're a human being living in this world. You are afraid that the person you love is going to stop loving you. That is just a law. Now there are some people who will have that fear to the degree that it's taking over their whole life and they're obsessing right and that's a whole different thing but if you're a human walking this earth and there's ever a time where you are doubting partner's love for you or someone that you're interested attraction for you that's going to sound off an alarm in your system and you're going to become very afraid and in those moments of fear you have a pattern and that pattern is the pattern that we all have to look at with a very close eye and say, okay, when I feel threatened in a relationship, and I'm not talking about physical threat, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm just saying when I feel insecure in any way, regardless of where that insecurity comes from, whether it's an attachment issue, whether it's trauma, regardless, because that's not what I'm going into today. The self-inquiry is when I have any insecurity, do I shut down? Do I cling? Do I start strategizing? Do I lose tons of sleep? Do I stop communicating? Do I communicate, but I don't communicate in a great way? What is my stress response? And how has it been dysfunctional? And if it's not even wildly dysfunctional, how has it been something, a force that has created more distance between me and the person instead of bringing closeness. This is stuff we don't learn in school, but to become more conscious. So let's shelve the conscious partner. Let's talk about ourselves becoming more conscious. To become more conscious, very specifically when we're talking about romantic relationships, is to ask yourself, who do I become? What do I do? What drama do I play out when I feel insecure in a relationship? Insecure meaning I have any doubt that the person I love doesn't love me back or is going to pull away or is going to break up with me. When I'm having a real stress response in a relationship, what's my pattern? And am I willing to do that differently no matter how much practice it takes no matter how uncomfortable I am being vulnerable, no matter how much practice it takes sitting with the discomfort instead of reacting, that's how we raise our level of consciousness when it comes to a romantic relationship and all of life. What precedes that is personal responsibility, otherwise known as accountability. So I purposely wanted to begin this episode with, instead of going outward, And thinking, how do I get this conscious partner? How do I get this conscious relationship? It begins with us. We have to really look within and become that quote unquote right partner. Because here is what is true. None of us are 100% conscious. And even if we have moments of pure, conscious, mature awareness in areas of our life, We are certainly not going to have that as much in a romantic relationship or with family for that matter. So being conscious is not perfect. There is no conscious person out there waiting for you and waiting to rescue you. And I know that intellectually we could say, I'm not looking for anyone to rescue me. I know that no one is going to rescue me, but I've done all the reading. No one's coming to save me, blah, blah, blah. But we have to really check ourselves often, whether we're single or in a relationship, that someone out there, whether it's the person who you haven't met with or it's the person you're in a relationship that you're wanting more from them, no one is actually going to show up for you perfect and consequently take all your problems away or bring out your feminine essence or bring out your masculinity or make you more conscious. So when you get yourself like, how do I get a conscious relationship? How do I make my relationship more conscious? How do I find a conscious person? You must first ask yourself about your level of consciousness and what you're willing to do about that. A conscious person, they're not going to take your crap. <laughs> As conscious people in relationship. We will not be doormats. We won't let someone just play games with us. You know, we play these unconscious games all the time. The unconscious game being, let me see how far I can push this person away so that they can prove to me that they're actually not going to abandon me. Because that's a very common thing that people do with abandonment issues is that they will just test the other person. Let's just see how strong you are. Let's see how much you can take of me. And the person on the receiving end might be like, you know, okay, maybe this person is scared. I I need to reassure them that I'm not going anywhere. But if you keep pushing that person, they're going to say, sorry, stop this game, right? If we want to raise our level of consciousness, then we're not going to be playing those games and we're not going to be allowing someone else to play those games. We're going to call them out. So as conscious people in relationship we're not blaming the other person for our stuff and they're not blaming you for their stuff we take total responsibility and they're not going to punish you for the sins of their past partners and you're not going to punish them for the sins of their past partners but here's the paradox we're going to do all of that but in an effort to become more conscious to keep raising our level of consciousness in a relationship we're going to own it. Oh my God. You know, I realized I was just really jealous and that I was blaming you for something that my ex did. I was punishing you in my mind. I was being rude to you because you reminded me of my mom or my dad. And, you know, that just wasn't cool. And I'm really sorry. That's like next level consciousness. I think it's really important to understand is that even if you get that conscious person and you are that conscious person, As conscious people, we can be pretty mindless sometimes. We will sometimes hurt each other. Now, if we're hurting each other intentionally, then that's abuse. But if we're hurting each other just unintentionally, it's called being human. But owning it, owning it, and then also telling the person, hey, I know you didn't mean to hurt me, but you really did hurt me. I'm going to get into that a little bit later in this episode about a very specific way to approach repair within the context of being quote-unquote conscious. So to love someone consciously is to make a conscious choice, which is really an intentional choice. To accept someone we will often not understand. There's no way you're going to 100% understand your partner and they're never going to 100% understand you because we have a hard time figuring ourselves out, let alone we're going to expect someone else to have us completely figured out. And sometimes we have to love someone even when we don't entirely understand them and vice versa. To love someone consciously means that we love them even when they sometimes annoy us. We don't take our love away just because sometimes they're annoying. Listen, if you're in a relationship long term and you live together, sometimes you're going to annoy each other. But that doesn't mean you stop loving each other. Like if your conditions for love is based on, oh, you can never annoy me, I mean, you're going to be single forever or chronically disappointed in relationship. To love someone consciously means that we show up as the right person and not just expect them to be right. It means consistently disciplining our wild minds from creating stories that make us the problem, that blame our partners constantly. It's to tame our wild minds from creating stories that make it so that we don't see our own part. Loving consciously means collaboration, lots of negotiation, resisting the comfort zone so that your relationship doesn't get swallowed by monotony. It means togetherness, and it also means some distance. Loving someone consciously needs our compassion. It needs our empathy. It needs our understanding. It means that we will have to apologize frequently for our mindlessness And we'll also have to accept apologies. It means forgiveness. And of course, there are boundaries. And of course, there are standards that you have. And I would definitely listen to my episode, How to Break the Cycle of Unhealthy and Toxic Relationships, if you are confused as to where those boundaries should lie for you. Loving someone consciously means that when they're in pain, you listen. It means bravely addressing issues that are causing problems as they come up. It means we fight and make up, we fight for each other, and we fight for harmony and peace inside of the relationship. Love really is a verb, and to love someone consciously and intentionally is to create a conscious relationship, and a conscious relationship is filled with action. And I really believe that to be in a mature, conscious, self-aware relationship, we have a responsibility towards ourselves to pursue the things that give our lives meaning. I mean, I think we have that responsibility as single people for sure, but in a relationship we think we don't have that responsibility anymore, but it's actually magnified we will go through seasons where we struggle to find happiness and meaning, and where we struggle, we fall off the wagon, we don't integrate daily rituals into our schedules that support our well being, but we must use whatever help we need to return to that which makes us feel as whole, peaceful, and alive as we possibly can. When we feel like the light dims within us due to personal stress, for example, The light will fade in the relationship over time. If the magic somehow goes out in a relationship, we must first investigate how the magic has decreased in ourselves. Again, we will all go through seasons, but our responsibility remains. And one of the biggest responsibilities we have while in our pursuit of creating a conscious relationship is not just to tend to ourselves emotionally, but to then bring that lightness, a sense of levity home to our partner more consistently. It sounds obvious, but it's not, because when we become comfortable, we also become comfortable with unloading our stress onto the one person who deserves to experience the better parts of ourselves more consistently. And this is just what we do, but with more awareness with more intention to be more conscious, you know, we can do better. We can continue to do better with commitment. It's important to note that a conscious relationship does not consist of two people free of their past. It does not consist of two people who are 100% healed and you know, have healed all their trauma. I mean, if we were all waiting to be healed until we got into a relationship, we'd all never, We none of us would be in a relationship. And there is no 100% healed person out there who's waiting to heal you. So conscious relationships do not consist of people free of their past or 100% healed, but they are created by people who have an awareness their past. They've studied themselves. They've explored their past and they have a keen awareness and a responsibility for the patterns that have contributed to the problems of their former relationships. So I want to go down a list of 18 core relationship skills that are all skills that when are really worked on, you create more consciousness in your relationship. And what I will say is that I would just highlight the ones that you think you need to work on more or you would like to work on more with your partner or with a future partner. And then, you know, it's also important to acknowledge the ones that are really already strong. Maybe they're already strong in your past relationships. Maybe they're strong in you, but your former partner was really weak in this area. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. These are not in any particular order. Number one, understand what it is that makes your partner feel loved, safe, and important to you. Also learn what it is that makes them feel attracted. Love, safe, important to you, attracted, all of that. And meet those needs. You can say that that is sort of a love language and that's fine, but you know, what makes your partner or someone else, this conscious person that you're waiting for or committed to finding. And what I mean by that is if you're committed to finding to someone who's willing to be this kind of person in a relationship, you're definitely saying no to a lot of people before you say yes. And that's just the deal. So we can't just love someone the way that we want to be loved. We have to love them the way that they want to be loved. And being in a relationship means that we show up for someone in ways that they need, not just in the ways that are familiar or comfortable to us. Number two, and I went into detail in my episode for Stress Awareness Month. So if you want more on what I'm about to mentioned here, I would definitely listen to that episode. And that is really learning how to deal with our negativity, our proclivity towards negativity, stress, complaining a lot, seeing the glass half empty, catastrophizing things. If that is what we're consistently bringing to a relationship, that really weakens the relationship. It's not about toxic positivity or just lying to ourselves. It's not about not seeing the reality of life. But if we're constantly bringing negative states to the relationship, well, the relationship will weaken and it certainly won't be on the standard that we are talking about today, which is conscious. Number three. Again, I refer to this in the Stress Awareness Month episode, learning how to relax. So sometimes all that negativity builds up. And when that negativity builds up, our bodies become like a pressure cooker. There's tons of tension. Our shoulders are up by our ears. And this is when we have to actually learn how to relax. And when you're in a relationship, to have rituals where you're relaxing together. Right? So learning how to relax is actually how we take care of ourselves emotionally. Especially in, this, in US culture, we are knowing how to relax is like an art. And so even if it is a few minutes every day of just doing a body scan and checking for any residual holding tension jaw and just letting go. Number four, inside every single one of us is a child who is terrified that they're not enough. And they're terrified that because they're not enough, that they won't be loved in some way or they will be rejected. And being a conscious person in relationship, I believe, is having compassion for the little child that lives inside someone else and having compassion for our own little child. Now that doesn't mean you have compassion without boundaries, right? I spoke in the episode how to stop the cycle of unhealthy and toxic and abusive relationships is, you know, empathy and compassion without boundaries is just how you become a doormat. But I really want to shelve that for today's episode. I really want to talk about what it means to have compassion. It doesn't give someone a hall pass to behave like a little kid or teenager at all. Because if we're letting the maladaptive, chaotic inner child or teenager run the show, we are not conscious. We have to actually be the adult most of the time. But we still have a fearful child inside of us. And even if that fearful child is not coming out in destructive behavior, it's there and it is our most vulnerable parts of ourselves. And so part of the compassion piece in a relationship is being responsible for not being a continuation of whatever pain your partner's have gone through whatever core wounds like you should know each other's core wounds this is number four but this bleeds into number five which is curiosity and really understanding each other's psychology when you co-create a conscious relationship with someone you know what their core wounds are and they should know what yours are you should know what their mommy issues are their daddy's issues are the trauma they've had the pain that they have And we are not responsible for healing each other, but when we can not be a continuation of someone else's pain, someone has abandonment issues, and then you're going to, I don't know, go away and just forget to call someone, (laughs) call them or call them back knowing that they have abandonment issues. I mean, what a kind thing it is to be like, oh, like I need space. I'm not very communicative when I need space. My partner has abandonment issues. I'm going to really do my best to reassure them that the space I'm taking doesn't mean that I'm taking love away. It's just something that I'm doing for myself. That's conscious. So having compassion for the child that lives inside of all of us. The curiosity about each other's psychology. Okay. If you are someone who dates men, and you are not a man, then there's a whole lot that you don't understand and vice versa. Gender aside, we're all just so different. So we have to understand each other's psychology, what makes us tick, what makes us happy, what makes us inspired, what makes us sad, what makes us happy. Really strong couples understand and know each other's psychology, while at the same time recognizing that They are also both completely a mystery that everyone's psychology is like this big, vast ocean that, that there's always more to learn. But do you know the differences? Because one thing that I've seen a lot is, and these are the double binds that we get people in. Like I see women all the time who date men say, you know, I really want this conscious masculine man. And then You know, I want him to be communicate his feelings. And then she's in a relationship with him and he's communicating his feelings. And all of a sudden she's not attracted to them. That's not cool. We can't be doing that. So you have to get really clear. Like, for example, if you're in a relationship with someone and maybe it's because they're a man raised of a certain generation, maybe it has nothing to do with that, but just how they were raised but they're not as in touch with their feelings as you are. Can you be patient with them? I'm not saying be patient with someone who's stonewalling or shutting down, but there are people who don't communicate their feelings as fluidly. And that doesn't mean they're not conscious. It doesn't mean that they're avoidant. It just means that They have a different blueprint around communication, a different understanding around feelings and communication. They don't relate to their feelings, perhaps the same way that you do, which leads me to number six. Can you honor each other's differences? Can you honor their differences? Because I promise you talking about your feelings all day long or talking about your traumas all day long or over communicating that way is not necessarily great for the relationship. I definitely think that it's better to err on the side of over communication than no communication, but there's also a limit. Like you don't have to always be talking about problems and past and deep stuff. I mean, every couple is different, but not everyone has the same relationship with their feelings as you do or I do. Can you honor those differences? Can you get more curious about How they feel? Can you get more curious about how their mind works? Can you learn to speak a little bit of their language and vice versa? And this might be the most important point that I make this entire episode, which is we really are, everyone is unique. Can you honor the differences? Can you get curious about each other's psychology? What sex means to you is not what sex means to them. What being loved means to you is not necessarily what being loved means to them. Some people will do anything to protect their honor. Others will do everything to protect their feelings. So understanding what really motivates your partner is actually also a very good way that you don't get unwittingly hurt by them. Sometimes we take things so personally in a relationship because we think, oh, they didn't do it the way that I did it, so they must not care. No, they did it the way that's according to their own code and their own blueprint and their own psychology. Can you have a discussion about that? Can you even open up your mind to think, oh, that really wasn't about me. That was just the way that they operate. This is what makes a relationship so exciting is that it really is such an education. Can you be curious? So number seven, communication. Of course, there's no way you can co-create a conscious relationship if you're conflict avoidant or one of you are conflict avoidant. You just can't. That doesn't mean you have to talk about every single thing. I mean, we will make someone conflict avoidant if we are constantly bringing negativity, complaints, and let's talk about the relationship all the time. So being conscious in a relationship is being mindful of it's not always them. Sometimes it's me. We have to see our responsibility. If someone is becoming conflict avoidant in the relationship, one of the things you can ask yourself is, am I contributing to this avoidance? That's different than you're seeing someone at the first sign of conflict. They're out. I wouldn't recommend if you want to be conscious and you want to create a conscious relationship, that's not someone I would recommend you date. Telling the truth is so important. We have to tell the truth about what we need, what we feel. This is number eight. We have to tell the truth. We have to have the uncomfortable conversations. Number nine, open heartedness, vulnerability. So many people come to me saying, I want a conscious relationship. How do I find an emotionally available person? Everyone is emotionally unavailable. If you want someone emotionally available, that means what you're really saying is that you want someone whose heart is open to you. Okay, that's a fair ask. How open is your heart? What are you going to do about your walls? What are you going to do about your fear? What are you going to do about your emotional availability or lack thereof? Number 10, positive intent. In a conscious relationship, we will sometimes be mindless (laughs) and hurt each other. Okay. If you love your partner and you respect them and you know they love you too and they hurt you, are you going to immediately think, They're a monster, or you gonna say, "I don't like what just happened. I'm hurt, but I at least know that their intention was not to cause me harm." Because if you believe that the person who you are in a relationship with, that their intention is to harm you, then you need to get out of the relationship. So, applying positive intent, number eleven. Sitting with discomfort when all you want to do is fix. When all you want to do is run away. When all you want to do is have the conversation, even though they're not available, sitting with that discomfort. This is by far out of all of these things, the hardest thing. I, I mean, this is what the great spiritual masters talk about is that pause, learning to be with that discomfort. If you struggle with a lot of relationship anxiety, anxious attachment, all of that, this is the work learning to sit with the discomfort. And part of that is number 12, being present, especially when it's uncomfortable to be present, being present when they're sad, being present when it's a difficult conversation, being present when all you want to do is look at your phone, being present when you're busy at work, being present at the dinner table instead of having the phone there. Presence. If there's any fixer in you if there's the fleer in you the one that runs away there's some of you who will identify with being a fixer some of you identify with running away some of you identify with staying but you fight right you're like you're a fighter learning to transcend these things this is just our patterns what's your pattern are you a fixer fleer fighter what do you do when things are uncomfortable what's your pattern And are you willing to do it differently? Sitting with the discomfort, communicating when you normally don't communicate, waiting to get everything off your chest, because usually you do that while they're busy and they can't pay attention. And that really is about number 14, transcending your own reactivity. We want to react. So, two people trying to create a conscious relationship basically means trying to be less reactive (laughs) and more. Able to respond. And a note on on uncomfortable conversations it's having these negotiations. Okay, what does autonomy look like to you? What does freedom look like to you? What does togetherness look like to you? And I definitely think life is a lot easier when you are in a relationship with someone who has a similar blueprint as to what amount of togetherness and space feels right. So, particularly if you're single. I really think that's something that you should take into your consideration. Number 15, you know, remembering the love. Sometimes we can get, like I said, very negative. We can get very angry. Conflict is a part of relationship. But instead of getting so consumed by the conflict and then projecting this monster onto this person who we love, can we... Remember the love when we are just annoyed or disenchanted or going through a stressful time and we're annoyed with our partner. And like I said, disenchanted, can we remember what it is and why it is we're in a relationship with them to begin with so that we can steer our focus on what's really working and what's beautiful and wonderful and what's a gift about this person. Number 16, elevate and praise. Praise your partner Praise them to their face, praise them to your friends, praise them to their family. Tell them they're hot, amazing, smart, brilliant. Do it more than you think. 17, a sense of humor. I think that we've gotten so stuck on this idea of conscious relationship that everything has become so deep and heavy. And we have to remember, and even though this is towards the bottom of the list, it's again, Sometimes what's closer to the bottom is really what's most important. And that is sense of humor, lightness, fun. Life can be really hard and really heavy. Fun, have fun together. Be a fun person in the relationship. Bring lightness, cut through some tension with some humor. It goes a really long way. And then lastly, vision check in with your partner every sunday for example or any day of the week and ask what they need or want from you that you're not giving what do they need from you it's to check in also talk about your future goals together that's the vision piece what are your goals for the next month what are your goals for the next year what is your goal for the next 5 years it's really important it's important to have goals that we have for ourselves. But if we're going to be in a relationship and we want it to be the best relationship that we can possibly make it, we have to be a team and teams always have a collective vision that they're working towards. Okay, there you have it. Busting the myth of a conscious relationship, what it is, what it's not. Look, I mean, I just listed a lot of things. You're not going to be, this is so important. You are not going to be perfect at all of this. Your partner's not going to be perfect at all of this. Please don't put that kind of pressure on yourself or the relationship. But these are things and you can just say, I really think I really want to work on this or this is the thing that's really most important to me. It is all a work in progress. We have to break up with. We have to divorce the idea. Deal, and we have to learn how to love an imperfect person really well. And as long as you are holding yourself up to this standard, I promise you, the best thing you can do is expect that in someone else, but as long as you're expecting it in yourself. And some of these are a lot harder than others. Understanding each other's psychology, honoring each other's differences, not expecting perfection from each other or not expecting sameness. These are the things that seem really obvious, but they are by far the hardest because I've been doing this work for a while now and I'm telling you these are the things that create the chokeholds in a relationship. So if you're single or in a relationship, do your homework. Becoming more conscious means more homework, but if you can have a sense of humor and have some fun with it, that's really what it's all about. It doesn't have to be so heavy. So this episode is Busting the Myth of Conscious Relationship. Please share this far and wide. I think that people really need to hear this. And there are people who are really struggling in relationships with people who are not good for them. And I think that this also creates a sort of roadmap for those people. It helps everyone just rise up to be the best that they can be. It helps singles raise their standard for who it is that you date, who they date. If you're single, like I said, be prepared to say no many more times perhaps before you say yes, that is okay. Rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q-Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Countshaus, edited in music by Will Tendi. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what was it.